Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 18th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and please note that the I Own College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's, which is a proud sponsor of the Naismith the More. Jer- Jersey Mike's would like to offer congratulations to all the athletes on this season's Naismith watch list. And we're going to get to that Naismith watch list in just a little bit. If you watch it on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. It's right in front of you. It costs you nothing. And while you're here, please, if you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button too. It matters. So please help us out with that. We thank you in advance. All right, dead leg. It's time to talk about Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights, as you know, they started the season 5-5. Five and five. They lost to Lafayette. They lost to UMass. Just 13 mornings ago, they were 12-9. and 2-3 in Quadrant 1, 2-3 in Quadrant 2. So 4-6 and six in the first two quarters with two additional losses in Quadrant 3. And, oh boy, another loss in Quadrant 4. They were outside of the top 100 at Ken Palm. They were a million miles away from the bubble. But then... They beat Michigan State by 21, Ohio State by two, one at Wisconsin by eight, beat Illinois by 11. Rutgers added four quadrant one wins in a span of 12 days. And now CBS Sports' Jerry Palm has the Scarlet Knights projected as an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. Deadleg, explain this turnaround. Does all credit go to Steve Pico and his players? No. Or, is it, or is it hard not to notice? Mm-hmm. Is, it hard, is it hard not to notice? Mm-hmm. That Rutgers can no longer lose at home. That's right. Inside Jersey Mike's arena. Say it. Since the Ion College Basketball Podcast got a Jersey Mike sponsorship. Are we personally connected to this? Personally connected, directly responsible. There are no coincidences, my friend. Rutgers' turnaround directly correlates to us being informed. Hey, gentlemen. Every Friday, you're going to be doing a Jersey Mike's Naismith Player of the Year segment on the podcast going forward. Since that has happened, guess what? Not only has Rutgers been good, if you go, let me refresh this. This was true yesterday. If you go to our good buddy, BartTorvik.com, and I know you know how to adjust the rankings, preseason bias and all that, you can also say, how good has this team been since this specific date to this specific date. So if you go from February 2nd to today, it's still true. Again, we're taking into account efficiency and opponents. Here are the five best teams in men's college basketball. Do you want to trivia time this? Nah, it might be. It's doable, a little too tough. Too many options. Here are the five best teams in men's college basketball since February 2nd. Number one is Gonzaga. Number two is Tennessee. Tennessee. Number three is another Tennessee team, Memphis. Number four is Kansas. And number five, Rutger. Are you kidding me? This is a really, really fun, really cool story. Uh, we should be 
taking direct responsibility for this, I think, because there again, there are no coincidences. I didn't know if you're going to mention that because that's exactly what I was going to say right off the top there. So a uh, couple items I'm going to get to with Rutgers, but let me throw it back to you. As of this morning, one, you don't have Rutgers in your top 25 and one, correct? No, they don't belong there. They belong in the tournament, but they're still a long way from top uh, 25 and one status. Okay, that was my other question. I don't think Rutgers belongs in the tournament as of this morning. I would have them just barely out. Because well, then you can, well, then, well, then you can go to hell. Okay. Coming out hot and aggressive here on a Friday show. Uh, that 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 passionate, huh? I, l- listen, how about this one? I got a trivia time for you. I got one for you, so go ahead. Okay. Uh, you, please, you throw it. Is, is, if it's Rutgers related, just toss it at me right now. Prepare for the toss. Okay, here we go. What is it? Right now, Rutgers is only one game out of first in the loss column of the Big Ten standings. Now, I'm not predicting they're going to win the Big Ten or share the Big Ten title, but... Theoretically, they have a chance heading into this weekend's game at Purdue. Trivia time. When was the last time Rutgers won a league title? And Mm. what league was it? (sighs) That's a good one. I'm not going to get this. Uh, So two-parter. Will you give it to me if I'm within a year of the year? Yes. Give me 77 for Rutgers. Incorrect answer. 1991 is the answer. Okay. Okay. Big East. Atlantic 10. They were in the A-10. Damn it. (laughs) And the coach of that team was the great Bob Wenzel, now an analyst for CBS Sports Network. There we go. Ah. Man, I almost went because because that was the last time they made the tournament as well. Prior to their resurgence in the past couple of years, that they had that super long drought. Okay, trivia time. All right, let's go. Come. Something most might not realize: Rutgers has a win and a loss in every quadrant. They have <laughs> won at least one game and lost at least one game in quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four. There is only one other team. In the top 80 of the net, two other teams, excuse me, in the top 80 of the net that have such results. Can you name even one of them? No. SMU? SMU? SMU has a quad four? Uh, Well, I, I noticed this the other night. So Rutgers has three losses outside of the first two quadrants. Two quad threes and a quad four. And I went through and I and I I looked at uh, other team. I, I just started scrolling down through the net rankings, uh, the breakdown of it, and I was looking for teams that had at least three losses outside of the first two quadrants. And nobody else in the entire country with at least three losses outside of the first two quadrants had more than three quadrant one wins. That's the best, mm. except for Rutgers, right? Which has six quadrant one wins. So Rutgers is literally the only team in the country that has at least three losses outside of the first two quadrants and at, and more than three quadrant one wins. And not only do they have more than three, they have twice as many as three. They have six. It's a goofy resume. We spent so much time this season talking about Alabama's goofy resume. Uh, Rutgers has surpassed Alabama for the goofiest resume in the country. And it's been quite 
uh, a, a turnaround. I mean, some of it is they're better defensively than they are offensively, but they've been terrific offensively in this four-game stretch. Not without some bad news, though. You probably saw. I know you did. Ron Harper Jr. Uh, suffered a, a, a left-hand injury of some sort late in the win over Illinois. His availability for this weekend uh, at this moment remains unknown, but that's uh, in a in a moment of incredible highs, that was kind of a, a bummer to see. I guess the I guess Rutgers announced it uh, on Thursday. Yeah, they did. Um, coincidentally enough, uh, on the other podcast that I do, College Sports Now, I talked to Steve Peichel on Thursday morning, the morning after they got their you're big not, win. You're not supposed to talk to me about that podcast, by the way. Uh, if anyone wants more Norlander podcast, College Sports Now, twice a week, go ahead and find it after you listen to Ion College Basketball. Oh, I'm, I'm, talk I'm, to Steve I'm, I'm sure our bosses love you promoting uh, other podcasts. Well, you talk about your radio show, so I think it's. Uh, I think we're all good there. Steve Pike. Ra- Ra- radio Sports show is not a podcast. It's not a direct competitor. Can you not listen to your Ion radio College show Basketball. in podcast form, Parrish? Is that not available on podcast form, your radio right. show? I can't speak to that. You're asking asking questions. I think it might be. Steve Peichel. Anything else you uh, want to promote on the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast that has nothing to do with CBS? um, Let me text Port real quick. Just go ahead and make a list of them. Yeah, I'll I'll think about about that list there. Um, Steve Peichel, I, I think he has done a wonderful job, but I would not have him in the tournament right now. Rutgers, the losses still have to count. So right now, Rutgers is 74th in the net, 53rd in KPI, 48 in strength of record, 67 in BPI, 69 in Ken Palm, 58 at Sagarin. None of those metrics indicate they would be in the field right now. They have good wins. They obviously won't be in the top 16 reveal. But I don't want recency bias to affect the overall resume. I talked to Tom Burnett. Parrish, is it okay if I promote my interview on our Ion College Basketball podcast channel that I did yesterday? If you want to bore the audience, sure. Okay. So I interviewed the selection committee chair on Thursday. That interview can be seen on the Ion College Basketball podcast channel. You will not get it in the podcast feed. It is a YouTube-only special. So if you have not watched it already, please go do so. On Saturday on CBS, there will be the in-season top 16 reveal. And so I talked to Tom Burnett, asked him a few things about all this uh, keep an eye on that, and that'll be Saturday at 12.30. But uh, in talking to him about all that, you know, we talked about the importance of entirety of resume. He goes into why, you know, it's not just the net. Net is kind of a default. You know, understandably, it's the primary sorting tool for the NCAA Selection Committee, but it's important to take into account all these metrics, and, you know, the games in November count as much as the ones that just got played. So with that in mind, I would not have Rutgers in the field yet, and I don't think the metrics support it. We won't know this, you know, to be truthful now because we're only going to see the top 16 teams but uh, the wins are great. The losses do also matter. And there's, they would be a groundbreaking case if, uh, if these metrics were all the same once we got to Selection Sunday with the Gers and they weren't better than you know 48th in any metric and they got in. Uh, that would be unprecedented. So they're getting there, but they still got to do more. And oh, by the way, their next two games are at Purdue and at Michigan. I agree with um, every bit of that, that, you know, we shouldn't get caught up in recency bias. What happens in November matters just as much as what happens in February. That's all true. Um, I guess, and I just point out, um, you know, Jerry Palm understands all that as well. And he now has Rutgers as an 11 seat, like not even barely in, like not even going to Dayton. And so like reasonable people can disagree. I'm not here to say who's right and who's wrong. Um, but like for whatever it's worth, 
the CBS Sports expert bracketologist has Rutgers easily in the field right now. Now, you know, barring a surprise, they will take another loss on Sunday, barring a surprise. Yeah. Um, um, it, but, but it'll be a quadrant one loss. I, I, I don't know how much those – I don't know if those things should knock you out of the field if you're projected as an 11 seed going into it. But the idea that we're even – talking about Rutgers on February 18th is a pretty remarkable story because again, two weeks ago, they were 12 and nine and outside of the top 100 at, at Ken Palm. There was no reason to think that they had anything like this um, in store for them. And, and yet here they are again. And, and like beyond that, I just sort of like Rutgers being good at basketball, like uh, Jersey Mike's arena. Remember when we were never going to call it Jersey Mike's arena. And I do, I do remember this <laughs> now, now, we ourselves very much. So. Now we're now I will never call it anything other than Jersey Mike's arena. Uh, oh, man. Uh, but like uh, Jersey Mike's arena has forever, you know, it's an incredible atmosphere when Rutgers is good. And, um, you know, in college basketball, we get so caught uh, so often it's like okay, this uh, team's good again, but like, who are the players? Uh, who like, I don't, I don't remember these names from last season. I'm talking about for casual college basketball. Like right. Geo Baker, we know everybody knows Geo Baker and Ron Harper. Like these are guys who have been around and 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 grown with the program. I don't know. I just think Rutgers being good is a is a nice and neat story because remember when that job opened? Like I, I know I know people that job was offered to. So do you, and the the prevailing thought was yeah they're going to pay you a lot of money and you'll have access to a private plane and and you'll be in the big 10 and then you'll get your brains beat in over and over and over again and then you'll get fired in five years and you'll have yeah you'll have 10 million dollars but you'll be miserable for five years until you get fired um and you know they end up offering the job to steve and he's like perfect for that job because you're not going to out recruit out player in the big 10 wisconsin ohio state indiana michigan state michigan most of those programs so what do you need at Rutgers? you need somebody who when he gets some guys maybe not the same caliber of high school prospects as the guys the other guys are getting but boy he can coach them and he could turn it into something and and St that is exactly what Steve has done at Rutgers, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch. They gotta, they're gonna have to do plenty more though at Purdue. <laughs> listen, it's just a, they're awesome story. It, like if they can get in, it'd be incredible. But they're at Purdue, at Michigan, still got to go at Indiana. They got a return game against Wisconsin. Remember, they won at Wisconsin. Uh, a sweep of Wisconsin would certainly help the resume. And then uh, I would highly advise Rutgers to uh, not uh, f around and find out once we get to the Big Ten tournament. As of right now. I wouldn't have them in the field, but they're certainly getting there, and they are now the most intriguing at-large resume in the country. They're unquestionably a bubble team. If you want to make the case for it, I hear you, but I, I don't believe that they can get in with the metrics that they have at this point. So uh, all for it, and let's hope that Ron Harper Jr. can get better soon. I would actually make I, not make sure. If he's not like really, really good and he can worsen the injury, just don't play him at Purdue. Your odds are low at winning that game anyway. Like Maybe be good for the roadie against Michigan on Wednesday. But, you know, that training staff, that coaching staff will do whatever needs to be done, and uh, he'll be back as soon as hopefully he can. And hopefully this isn't a thing where it's like, oh, he missed Purdue. I can't go to Michigan. Oh, okay, now he's missed the Wisconsin game. Hopefully it's not one of those kind of injuries, and they can get back in the mix. But, yes, Rutgers right now, just an awesome story, sitting at 10-5 and five in the conference. 
the only teams ahead of them in the loss column, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. All right, we'll get to the Naismith watch list next. We'll tell you how this player of the year race is unfolding. But first, don't let me down. A word from our sponsors. Paramount Plus is a mountain of entertainment. This is wagon trains, patrol cars, and starships. Let's go. This is live sports, exclusive originals, and a mountain of entertainment. The dream is coming true. Paramount Plus. Stream now. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Once again, perfectly executed. Dead leg. Naismith watch list. Do you have your top candidates? I got mine. Yeah, I got them. I got them all here. They posted to CBS Sports Instagram yesterday, so I got my top three right there. How about that? According how, to Matt Norlander. How about that? Well, there we congrats, go. Congrats. So I got to do this every. I got to do this every week. I'm prepared. I'm good to go. And after this, little all star, little all star thing coming for you, GP. What do you got for top three? We're going top three, right? We're gonna go. I top three. Okay. Anything more than like that. eleven dudes that are up for consideration for this? Oh, thing. sure. I keep it at three. And I hate to not keep it interesting, but this is my trouble when we have to start doing mock drafts a lot leading into the NBA draft. It's like you do a mock draft on a Tuesday, and then they want another one on uh, the following Tuesday because they do incredible traffic. Like, I understand it, but it's like nothing's really changed. Nothing would change the order that nothing that's happened in the past week would change my order. So like, are we just doing a copy and paste type deal or what do we need to do here? I struggle with that. My point being that my top three from last Friday are the same top three for this Friday. At number one, I've got Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky. He's averaging 16.2 points, 15.3 re- rebounds um, for a team that I've got ranked in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. Um, you know, I looked like, okay, is there another? Like, is what Johnny Davis did earlier this week enough to push him to the top? Maybe. But then it would be like, I'm dropping Oscar Shibway from one after he just averaged 20 and 17 mm-hmm. in his past two games. So if I had him number one last Friday and then he averaged 20, only thing he's done since then is average 20 points and 17 rebounds. Um, why change? So I got Oscar Shibway at number one. I kept Johnny Davis at number two. Now averaging 20.7 points, 8.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists uh, for a team that, you know, I have ranked in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. Got 30 points, 12 rebounds Tuesday night uh, against Indiana. Destroyed the 5G in the entire state. Hopefully they recover some point soon. And then at number three, I've got Chet Holmgren. 
who is now averaging 14.6 points, 9.6 yeah. rebounds. Chet Holmgren, point. number three. Chet Holmgren, number three. Damn. Okay. 14.6 points, 9.6 rebounds, 3.3 blocks, 2.0 assists for the team that's number one in the top 25 and one. Shooting 63.2% from the field, 46.2% from three on more than three attempts per game. Um, got 18 points, 17 rebounds, four blocks Wednesday night against Pepperdine. And like we talked about on last week's podcast, um, whenever you start reading tweets from you know Jared Burson at ESPN uh, researcher there or, or the ESPN stats and info account, and they start saying, and this person just did something that hasn't been done in 30 years. This person just had a four-game stretch that has never been done in the past decade. Like, you're getting some of those Chet Holmgren bullet points this season. He's starting to do things that are historically rare. And he, you know, the idea that he was just okay early and has gotten great, that's not true. He was always good. He didn't consistently have really good games, but he showed signs of being special very, very early this season. But now he's at a point where he is consistently great. And I do think when it comes to player of the year, whether it's West Coast Conference or Naismith, he and Drew Tummy are going to maybe end up splitting votes and it's going to hurt both of them. But you take that, set it aside. I think he's a top three candidate for for um, the Naismith Player of the Year right now. I've got Chet at six and I've got Timmy at seven. They are kind of taking votes away from each other, so to speak, right now. I've got Sheboy one, like you. I've got Johnny Davis two, like you. And then I have got Ohio State's E.G. Liddell at three. He's the best player in the Big Ten, according to Ken Palm. He's actually number two in Ken Palm's Player of the Year algorithm. E.J. Liddell is averaging 20 points, 7.6 rebounds, three assists, shooting 51% from the field. Oh, by the way, two and a half blocks a game due to 6'7". Uh, it's time to give Chris Altman's dude some credit here. He has got to be up there. Now, Ohio State currently sits at 16-6 and overall, 9-4 and in the Big Ten. And it's got a game against Iowa on Saturday. We'll preview the weekend in a little bit here. So because he hasn't been on a team that's been consistently in the top 10, hasn't put up, you know, mammoth performances and Ohio State hasn't been absolutely front and center the way some of these other guys are. I think that's why he's gotten caught in a little bit lost in the mix. But in his, since January 27th, he's had 23 points, 20, 24, 16, 28, and 16. And almost all of those games, he was above 50% from the field. He's In that stretch, he is at almost 1.3 points per possession. So I would have EJ Liddell at number three. Uh, I think he's a sneaky, really, really good NBA pick, like lottery-level pick for this upcoming draft. But it's 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 really close. So that's my... That's my top three. Where would you, if you just, you know, generally speaking, even if you don't have an exact list, is he knocking on the door? Is he maybe more floating in your like five to eight range? No, like I was almost going to stop you when you were going to go beyond three and say, okay, let me guess who's next for you. And I was going to guess EJ Liddell. Um, He's terrific. He's been terrific. I, I think his issue is that a little bit like Ohio State, he's sort of been operating in the second tier of college basketball basically all season. Like, you know, uh, Kentucky launches into the top five and and, and she weighs on big stages. And so we're constantly talking about him. And Johnny Davis has these massive games and, and has developed into, you know, a projected top five pick according to some. So we focus on him. Chet Holmgren is, you know, 
uh, the, the uh, among the stars of the number one team in the country and possible number one pick in the draft. So we talk about him. And so relatively speaking, somewhat quietly, here's EJ Liddell playing on a team that's not ranked in the top 10, but in the top 20. Like Ohio State's been in that 10 to 20 range, it feels like, all season long. And Liddell, um, therefore, uh, maybe doesn't get the same type of attention as some of these other guys do. But he is a legitimate NBA prospect now. Um, he's a legitimate player of the year candidate now. In fact, earlier this week in studio, I guess it would have been Tuesday night, Wally Zerbiak, um, after Ohio State throttled Minnesota, said if I were voting for National Player of the Year right now, I would vote for EJ Liddell. Okay, there you go. Good, uh, good case for it. Okay, I'm going to have you pick which of these you like more. This weekend, NBA All-Star Game. So if college basketball had an All-Star Game, I assembled both teams, 12-man rosters apiece, split them up, Team Larnell, Team Downey. Okay. Sensenata. I think he's going to put it on the screen here, and we're going to put up a poll. So this is Team Larnell right here. I'm going to read it out for everyone listening on the pod. Starting five, Oscar Sheboy, Kentucky, Drew Timmy Gonzaga, EJ Liddell, Ohio State, Jaden Ivey, Purdue, Johnny Davis, Wisconsin. Your reserves on Team Larnell, Walker Kessler at Auburn, Travion Williams at Purdue, Keegan Murray at Iowa, David Roddy at Colorado State, Benedict Matherin at Arizona, Armando Baycott at UNC, and St. Louis's Yuri Collins. Why Yuri Collins? He leads the nation in assists at more than eight a game. He's going to win it, and I wanted to give a little bit of love to some dudes who have genuinely been statistically awesome outside the power conference. So that's Team Larno. Let's look at Team Downey. See which one you like more and see which one the listeners like more. I think Nada's going to toss up a poll in the chat. Team Downey, starting five. Kofi Coburn, Illinois. Chad Holmgren, Gonzaga. Jabari Smith, Auburn, Ochai Abaji, Kansas, and Colin Gillespie at Nova. That's your starting five. And then coming off the bench, Paulo Bancaro, Duke, Zach Eady, Purdue, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana, J.D. Note at Arkansas. Side note, maybe the best defender and leading scorer in the SEC. Maybe the most underrated player in the country, J.D. Note. Had to get him on there. Orlando Robinson, Fresno State, the best big no one talks about. Alondis Williams, maybe the ACC player of the year if it's not Baycott, and then Darius McGee at Liberty, who has gone for more than 40 in multiple games this season. So a lot of these are National Player of the Year, first, second-team All-American candidates, and then I wanted to give a little bit of representation to some lesser-heralded players on some smaller teams who have been legitimately awesome this year. Uh, my two reserves that didn't make the cut, Hunter Dickinson, Johnny Juzang. I think those were the two toughest calls. I'm sure if you're listening or watching, you want to make your voice known. Who did I miss? What's wrong? Go ahead. But which team do you like more? Downey or Larnell? I tried to split it up as evenly as I could. Team Downey. Easy. Easy? I like the way it's put together. You got this physically overwhelming big in Kofi Coburn. Then you got Chet Holmgren right beside him, who can also be a rim protector, but also on the offensive end, float around the perimeter. I mean, Jabari Smith on the wing, who doesn't love that? Mm -hmm. And then Oche Abaji has turned into this aggressive, high-level score for a national championship contender. And then why wouldn't you want Colin Gillespie running the whole thing? That's, that's true. To me, to me, that's the easily the better team. Okay, easily. Well, the other team has Shibwe, Liddell, and Johnny Davis, maybe the three front runners for national player of the year in the starting five. It's got the best defensive player in the year and Walker Kessler coming off the bench. In addition to the best six man in the country, Travion Williams, Keegan Murray can go off for 35. David Roddy's the best small ball five in the country. Armando Baycott, by the way, is like 18 and 12. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the listeners want as well. I, I tried to, this, the uh, Team Larnell might be a little more college-focused, although you also have Jaden Ivey, the best guard in the country on that starting five. So I thought I did a decent job at kind of splitting up both of them. But um, if I were to pick between these two, I would narrowly, I think, go Downey. Narrowly. But my goodness, you've got Kessler and Williams off the bench. <laughs> they're all they're all star teams at college. They're all, these are all awesome players. But uh, but interesting to uh, you know, a little good thought experiment. Anyone that pops to you that maybe I should have put on there that I didn't? Mm, no, I mean it's interesting that you know Johnny Juzic was a preseason first team All American, is having a good year uh, for a team that is having a good season, and. You couldn't find a spot for him. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying yeah. it's interesting that you couldn't find a spot with him. I would have put like I could have taken Darius McGee off of from Liberty and put Juzang. But again, I wanted to at least be a little bit of representative and give some love to uh, some guys in some mid-major leagues. And again, um, the dude's gone for more than 40 this year. And like Orlando Robinson, a lot of people might not know. He is legitimately awesome. He's in the top 10 for Ken Palm Player of the Year algorithm, and he will be a, a quality NBA pick. Not as telling me Team Larnell is winning the poll over Team Downey. Very interesting to know. By the way, in the spirit of All-Star Weekend, I did think out three-point three point shooting contestants and the dunk contest contestants at the college level. This is By pure statistics, these would be your three-point shooters. Jordan Ganey of USC Upstate, 53.5%, best in the country right now. Then Alex Arians of South Dakota State. Oliver Lynch Daniels of Colgate. Kentrell Garnett out of Louisiana. Keller Boothby from Cornell. And Kyle That's Foster. That's my guy, Keller Boothby. No, he's not. Yes, he is. You don't even know what happened while you were gone last Friday. Keller Boothby. All right, Keller Boothby of Cornell and Kyle Foster of Howard. Go, go, at, go ahead. What? What happened? So we were talking about Chet Holmgren, and I was explaining how Chet Holmgren has, um, is on pace to have the second-best true shooting percentage uh, of any Division One player in the past 30 years, again, according to Jared Burson of, of uh, okay. ESPN. And I was like, so when I looked at that, I was like, okay, but he's not even first this season. So he's on pace, Holmgren is, to have the second-best true shooting percentage of the past 30 years, but he's not even first this season. Who was first? Answer, Keller Boothby from Cornell. And so I made a promise to Keller and to the people. If he finishes with the highest true shooting percentage this season, he gets a forever shout out. Cornell, Cornell, Cornell. And within, within 24 hours of saying that, Guess who was following me on Twitter? He found you. Keller Boothby. What's up? KB? Keller Boothby. That's too funny, man. Well, those are the statistically, those are the most accurate three-point shooters this season. If you want to just from like major conferences slash relevant teams, the four best three-point shooters by percentage only this season. Justin Bean, 50%. AJ Griffin right behind him. Notre Dame's Dane Goodwin. And then Purdue's Mason Gillis are the four best three-point shooters at the power conference, multi-bid conference level. And then dunk contest. First of all, the four, I think these are four of the best. I don't know if they're the four best, but Devin Cambridge of Auburn, Tavion Kinsey of Marshall, 
Jaden Ivey of Purdue, Kendall Brown of Baylor. I think dunk contest is now four people. I tried to narrow it down to four. Feel free to speak up in the chat. If there's a dunker at the college level who you think is awesome and would deserve to be in a dunk contest, let me know. But those are, I think, are um, four of at least the seven or eight best. Devin Cambridge, Kendall Brown, Jaden Ivey, Tavion Kinsey. But trivia time. All right, come on. I have the list of the five most frequent dunkers in men's college basketball this season. Who do you think has more dunks than anyone else in men's college Co- basketball this season? Kofi Coburn. He's not even like in the top 25. Dude, that's all I ever see is him dunk. And he's not. He's He's got a little more than half of the leading. The person who has the most has 72. Most dunks. Um, I, 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 I thought. I, w- I would have felt very good about seeing Kofi Coburn. Like, we, I have to do highlights of his games every week in studio. And it's like, and there's another dog from Kofi Coburn. <laughs> he's just ripping goals down. Yeah, no, I agree. I was surprised. He's he's not uh, he's not highly highly up there. Um, I would say Jalen Duran, but he missed so many games. I, he can't be up there. Yeah. Um, is Hunter Dickinson up there? Hunter Dickinson is not in the top five. Well, this is oh Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is up there. Walker Kessler is number. He's he's tied for fourth. He's got sixty five dunks. the The leader is not in a power conference, but he's. I think you know who he is because he's the tallest person in the sport. We've talked about him on the podcast. But he's not like an everyday player. But I figure CBS Sports Network, you've definitely done highlights on this guy this season. I'm scrolling through teams right here. I don't know. I'm lost. Give me the list. The list. Most dunks this season. Western Kentucky's Jamarian Sharp. Seven foot yep. five. 72 dunks. Yeah. Behind yep. him, Trace Jackson Davis and Cliff Amori of Rutgers. Both have 66 dunks this season. Walker Kessler and Mark Williams of Duke have 65. Those are the five most frequently successful dunkers in men's college basketball. Credit to BartTorvik.com. He tracks that stat. You ready to get to the final four and one? I'm only ready after Nada tells me how David Cobb did last week and how you did last week. And those first, overall records. First, yeah. first, 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 first. Before yeah. we get to the final four and one, okay. let me ask you a question. Are your go-to game day foods feeling uninspired? Next time, skip the usual suspects and order Jersey Mike's. At Jersey Mike's, they make every sub to order with premium fresh sliced meat and cheesesteaks are cooked on a flat-top grill. Download the app for delivery, curbside, or in-store pickup. Jersey Mike's is a proud sponsor of the Naismith Award and a proud maker of a sub above. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? 
You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. Now, Nada, give me those records because I, I, I feel real good after taking the lead last week. Finally, it's good to be in first you, place. You, you sure you feeling really good? You sure that's not just you being like well rested for the first time in maybe seven weeks? You I might sure just be that? well rested, boy. Yeah, choosing to fly home. Cool. On, Choosing to fly home late on Thursdays instead of early on Thursdays is is like the best decision of my life. And I've made a okay. lot of good decisions in my life. I made some bad ones too. I've made lots of bad ones, but I made lots of good ones. And recency bias perhaps, but flying home late on Thursday is it's a blessing. So that's why you feel so good because um, the good decisions, they didn't happen last week either. You, you, you went two and three. You went two and three. Cobb went well, four and one again. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible, David, man. David Cobb's the king of the, uh, the final four and one. He does, he, he's, uh, he's like Kyrie Irving. Like he just pops in every once in a while. He's not, he's not consistently able to participate yeah. in the final four and one. He's like the Kyrie Irving of the Ion College basketball podcast. I heard that all- might have been more angry with David Cobb last week than even Kyrie Irving at some point. Holy hell. <laughs> I had so many people. I, like there's this video circulating somebody chopped up the island college basketball podcast and it's like a 35 second video 45 seconds, whatever it is and it's it's david cobb talking i literally don't say a word in the video i'm just sitting there like this <laughs> and so i did i didn't say a word and they're like Paris, you idiot i'm like that ain't me talking yeah it is. <laughs> that's not me talking i didn't say those words Jesus, how are you going to get mad at me? I didn't even, like, it's actually hilarious. If you go watch the video that was circulating, it had like a bazillion views and people were yelling at me on Twitter. If you go watch the video, I literally don't say one word in the video. It's just, it's just me and my pretty face. I leave for one show. <laughs> Look what happens. Uh, before we get the games, out of curiosity, not for anyone listening that uh, might have, Voted for either all-star team and wondered if they were lined up. Where's where does that where do those poll results stand? What was the uh, what was the breakdown? So far, it's actually getting closer to 50-50. Like team again, uh, these are very even teams, and so far the voting reflects that. I'm gonna keep this poll up for a little bit. We'll see where it lands. I would not be surprised if it ends up 50-50, though. All right, good deal. GP, what do we got here? Saturday, game one, noon Eastern. Number 12, Illinois, at number 19, Michigan State, inside the Mateen Cleave Center. Ken Palm has it, Michigan State, minus one. You can watch it on ESPN. You concerned about the Spartans at all? Uh, not so much concern as just this team is kind of there. You know, they're going to make the tournament. They'll be an OKC probably. They were 14-2, and two, now they're 18-7 and seven overall. Th- lost three of the past four. Lost at home a little over a week ago to Wisconsin. Uh got taken out on the road against Penn State on Tuesday. You know, this is a big game, clearly. Uh, right now, the Big Ten standings, I said them earlier, but just as a refresher, uh, four losses for Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Michigan State's one game behind now. It's it's 9-5, and five, and there was a time where it was obviously sitting at the top of the league ledger. Not the case at all. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of Michigan State team we get in this spot. I, Illinois also has... Just struggled a little as of late, but understandably so. It was non. I don't want to say it was non-competitive, but it just it wasn't even in the game against Purdue ten days ago. It was able to get a win at home against Northwestern last weekend, 
and then goes on the road and loses at Rutgers, which so many teams, I mean, Rutgers, Rutgers, by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier. It's the first team credit to, I think the big 10 network had this stat. Rutgers has won four consecutive games over ranked teams as an unranked team. That has not happened in more than at least more than two decades there. So what Rutgers is doing right now is just, it's absurd. Uh, in this game, I'm going to go. Hmm, I don't like this one at all. I, I'll go with Michigan State to win at home. The line is only one here, according to the Kempom projection. So give me Sparty in this spot. I'm not overly confident with it, but the Big Ten's just been a little bit weird. And I still like Illinois big picture, but I can see him. I can see him losing this game. So why the hell not? I'll go MSU. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think Michigan. Both these teams really need a win. You know, um, Illinois one and two in the past three. Michigan State four and five in its past nine. Obviously, the four and five a little more troubling than the one and two, because you know the two losses for Illinois, as you pointed out, at Purdue at Rutgers. Like, you know, most people are going to lose at Purdue. Everybody's been losing at Rutgers. Even Purdue lost at Rutgers. Um, so, uh, but but like four and five over your past nine. That's like a month stretch. It's not a small sample size, and so that's a little concerning. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Michigan State. Uh, at home it's not that i can't imagine illinois going there and winning but uh seems to me the more likely scenario is is michigan state gets things done at home game two saturday noon eastern xavier at number 24 uconn inside the josh knockamson pavilion you remember josh knockamson don't you of course kim pom has a uconn minus six you can watch it on fox how about xavier so still still safely in the field. But slip sliding, slip but sliding. Slip sliding away at the moment right now. And beat UConn last Friday, then got trounced at home by St. John's on Wednesday night. Travis Steele is yet to have an NCAA tournament level team in his three previous seasons. This one is that, but uh, I don't think they're going to get it done here. UConn right now. Has won three of its past four. The only loss, as mentioned, at Xavier, but has a win over Marquette. Got a win at St. John's and then won uh, a weird one, but they won it uh, Wednesday night at home against Seton Hall. I, When I watch UConn, I like so many of this team's pieces. I do. Adama Sanogo can be an absolute monster. RJ Cole is streakier than UConn fans want him to be, but still capable of getting a bucket. Tyrese Martin... Uh, can certainly step out and shoot, and he's got great length. And then guys like Tyler Polly, Isaiah Whaley can be uh, above-average, high-level defenders when when asked to do it. And then you got Andre Jackson. There's just a lot there. Um, kind of feel like UConn's going to be a team that burns me in the bracket because no matter how I pick them to do, they're going to do the opposite. I like them in this game, and I do like them. They've had a tendency to play some close games here um, in league play, I, but I, I do like them to win this and get their, you know, without too much trouble, this is at Gamble. If it was in Hartford, there's a there's definitely a difference between those two venues. Gamble should be rocking on a Saturday. So I will take UConn to win. And I think they're actually going to flirt with a double-digit victory here. It uh, A few weeks ago in the dribble handoff, one of our the, – the question that we were presented with was, uh, name a team currently ranked outside of the top 15 that you could envision going to the Final Four. And I went with UConn for a lot of the reasons you – stated like i like the way this team looks i like this team's ceiling remember they beat auburn um back in november um but scoring gets hard for them sometimes you know the first half the other night they really had a hard time but they're a great offensive rebounding team so they get a lot of second chances opportunities and um 
Yeah, I agree with you. This is a team that I could see losing in the first round or like somehow ending up in the Elite Eight. Like neither one of those things would be totally shocking uh, to me. Um, I, I like the pieces. They just haven't quite put it all together consistently yet, but, you know, there's still a few weeks left in this thing. Xavier is starting to become a little concerning. Safely in the field, like you noted, that's right. But one in three in the past four games with home losses to DePaul and St. John's. They added two quadrant three losses to their resume in a span of 14 days. Like, that's not good. Um, still safely in the field, but they're moving in the in the wrong direction. And oh, by the way, so at UConn this weekend, then you know what's next? At Providence. There we go. So, I mean, that's how you go. I mean, they could end up going one and five in a six-game stretch. And now you do start to get a little closer to the bubble. How about this? They're going to have to win a game on the road against a better team in one of their next two to avoid one and five in a six-game span. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. It could get, it could get dicey. They could, they could turn into one of those teams where – Big East tournament starts. They're probably in, but it's like, don't, don't, do not lose that first game you play. Don't right. even, don't even think. So that, that might be on the table for Xavier. Um, I've got him covering. What do you have happening here? I'll take Xavier plus the six, <laughs> despite everything I just said. All right, there we go. Uh, I, I mean. I can I mean, see it. I can see Xavier winning the game. I can see it. I'll take Xavier plus the six. UConn wins a close game. That would be my official prediction. Game three, Saturday, 1230 p.m. Eastern, number 11, Texas Tech at Number 20, Texas, inside the Booby Gibson Center. Ken Palm has it. Texas, minus one. You can watch it on ABC. ABC game. All right, then. Um, not, not the, it's not America's most watched network, so don't no, get too excited. Not even, not even close. Uh, Honestly, not even close. Not even close. Uh, so a couple notes on this. First of all, Trey Mitchell of Texas is taking a personal leave of absence, uh, not determined if and when he will return to the team. So he's an important player and he's not with Texas at the moment uh, is not expected to play with the team this weekend. Uh, secondly, did you see what's, you see what's going on down in Austin right now? Uh, Austin city limits. What's happening? No, tech. Okay. So this is the rematch. The last time Chris Beard had to face his former team. Didn't go so well for him. here's the home. Here's the home thing. But the, th- the deal is, Frank Irwin Center, Booby Gibson Center, whatever we're calling it here. It's 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 an arena that is too big for the Texas men's basketball program, and they've got the Moody Center, which is opening next season. It's going to be, I've been told, uh, just absurdly state-of-the-art. Um, like, it's going to be one of the best venues in the country in college sports because, oh, by the way, um, it, like... Long story short, like, they actually consulted with, like, people in the entertainment and music industry about how to construct an arena like this and, and not make it just for sports. Like sports is the big thing, but um, yeah, like significantly like high grossing touring acts and people that represent them were apparently involved in this whole process. And I, I can't wait to see it. So Texas's home court situation is going to get and, like a major upgrade next season. And yeah. Austin, a music city is going to have like a premier, another premier music venue. Because it, I think, and I talked to Chris Beard about this back in the summer, it's going to be like nine or 10,000 seats for basketball yeah. with the ability to expand up to like maybe 15 or so. So that's how you can get the big touring acts in, just expand it up to 15 or, you know, you, you put seats on the floor instead of a basketball court. I don't know the specifics, but you can get you can get a yep. big number. And then uh, for basketball, it's going to be cozier 
which is mm-hmm. perfect. Like big time basketball programs outside of like Kentucky, Kansas, Indiana, they should be playing at 9,000 seat arenas. I, I completely agree with you on the music note. Like my favorite band DMB will open its tour in Texas's new building and it won't, it, not that it can't or wouldn't, but like 9,000, it, it can fill more than that. So to your exact point with that, they will, it, apparently it's just going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal arena. And I can't wait to eventually hopefully get down there to see it one day, but they're dealing with the Irwin center this year and it's so big. So what was I getting to before GP Texas tech fans were go- they're gobbling up all these tickets. <laughs> so, so Texas in an effort to try, to try and to try and stop the dam from completely breaking, it halted the sale of tickets and now they are letting all of these students come in for free. They're trying to get as many Texas oh, students hilarious. into the building because I think Texas Tech fans are going to have at least 5,000 people in that building, at least. And so it, it, it's going to be kind of, it sounds crazy to say, but it might be kind of close to a neutral court environment for Texas on that because again, you're dealing with an extremely pissed off fan base who, by the way, has a team that's been better, ranked better, won the first game at home. So that's going to be – it'll just be another interesting watch. Chris Beard won't need – at least I don't think he'll need the uh, kind of uh, security he had for the trip in Lubbock, but fascinating game with a lot of uh, more interesting backdrop to it. I will go Texas to win in this spot, Parrish. Um, I believe you said it was one, right? I- I'll take – no, Trey Mitchell is certainly a factor, um, but Texas Tech doesn't have Kevin McCuller, who's out for the moment. Um I don't think he's expected to play in this game. They have gotten Terrace Shannon Jr. back, which has been big, but I'll 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 take him to split. Texas Tech has a very solid resume. All the losses are good, but it has gotten picked off on the road at Providence, picked off on the road at Iowa State, picked off on the road at Kansas State, picked off on the road at Kansas, and picked off on the road against Oklahoma. So I'll just kind of continue with that trend. Give me Texas to win a close one, and uh, that should be among the better watches because, in particular, with the uh, with the fan situation in Austin. I'm sure Texas Tech fans are loving. Loving that they can go fill up the, yes. the, the Irwin Center. That's they forced Texas to stop the sale of, of tickets because it was that many. And now Texas is like, well, we, we will literally just eat the cost. Students come in here for free. <laughs> they got to a point where they said, we would rather not sell these tickets than have you buy these tickets. How about that? Truth. That's great. Yeah, I know. All six of Texas Tech's losses are in quadrant one. Um They've got some big wins, too. Beat Kansas, Tennessee, Texas. Swept Baylor. Home and away. Texas, meantime, 6-2 and two in the past eight games. Uh, the losses uh, at Texas Tech, at Baylor. Uh, beat Tennessee, beat Kansas. I'll take Texas at home, too. I, 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 I like home teams in these situations, but you're right. Texas Tech has been the better team this season. There's no getting around that, and you know, not having Trey Mitchell is uh, obviously a a factor as well. Game four, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number 25, Alabama, at number four, Kentucky, inside Tubby Smith Arena. He deserves that. Retired earlier this week. Indeed. Incredible career. Kim Palm has it, Kentucky minus 10. You can watch it on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. And if you stream it, you'll get to see Deadleg in studio for CBS Sports HQ.
I will. I'm going to do, as opposed to doing the stuff up here in the office, I will drive down to Stamford, Connecticut. I will be in the studio for HQ in the 11 a.m. hour on Saturday to talk uh, the afternoon slate so you can watch that, uh, pick some games, some ones we're not even talking about here. And then uh, there's the, again, there's the bracket reveal, 1230 Eastern on CBS. So I'll have some reaction to that. And then I'll be obviously doing stuff with this game and I'll be in the studio on Saturday. Oh, by the way, programming note, I did talk to Kyle Boone. I talked to him on Thursday, so I don't want to promise anything that's not for sure going to happen, but he mentioned this. Not if you want to hop back in here and confirm this. I believe the plan here is this bracket reveal will come out top 16, 1230 Eastern on Saturday, and then at some point in the afternoon, Nada, is the soft plan for the YouTube channel to be Cobb and Boone to hop on here and give their you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of thoughts? Is that the plan here? Absolutely. We, 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 we are a full-service youtube channel so therefore we will give instant reacts to the top 16 as soon as soon as they're ready we'll give about 15 20 minutes and it'll be at youtube only excellent so you get a little kyle boone making his grand return back to the pod and david cobb will give uh their thoughts on the top 16 um i'll pick the kentucky game in a second but on the on that note gp kentucky is like i think a lock to be on the two line we agree and i think this must line up with your top 25 and one let's just predictions i'm gonna say Auburn, number one overall seed, then Gonzaga two, Arizona three, Kansas four. One, two, three, four, that order. That's my guess. Would you agree? I don't have the top 25 in that order because I've got Gonzaga one, Auburn two, but I do think the four number one seeds right now would be Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kansas. I'm and, then after, I'm and then after that, I've got Purdue, Duke, Kentucky, Villanova, and then the three seeds would be Providence, Wisconsin, Texas Tech, Baylor. And then my four seeds would be Tennessee, UCLA, Texas, Illinois. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, they'll react to it. Uh, I think Auburn will be the number one overall seed Saturday. Only, be, only because Gonzaga doesn't have the road opportunities and wins. I think that's the biggest reason why. I've made this point before. Um, I, I think... You can easily make the case that Gonzaga should be ranked number one right now because of the run their own, because of the way they've been destroying everybody, because of the computer numbers, so on and so forth. But Auburn, if you just strictly look at quad one, quad two, that type of stuff, Auburn's got the best resume in the country. Yeah, I would think that's the case. Arizona's sneaky. I wouldn't put it completely past the committee to say Arizona's going to be the two-hole Gonzaga three from a resume perspective. I would guess, and I would put Gonzaga two. I don't think Gonzaga has any room for error, though, at this point. Uh, as for this, dude, what if Alabama wins this game? I don't think it's going to happen, but you said 10 points. Like, if Alabama wins this game, it's going to be bonkers, ridiculous. 10 is a lot. I. What's our tie-tie situation at the moment? What was the last uh, update? It remains unclear, um, but I would assume if he re-aggravated the ankle just a few nights ago that he's either playing at something less than 100% or not playing. These teams and, and, for, and for what it's worth, John Calipari said after the Tennessee game, if I had to do it over again, I would, I would, I would not have played him. I would not expect him to be on the floor then, uh, which – impacts my call here these teams played back on february 5th and kentucky won uh by 11 it won in tuscaloosa but i will take alabama to cover here i'll take kentucky to win it's been the better team although alabama's 
beaten multiple teams on one, two, three line this season. So it's not unthinkable, but I will, I will go with Bama to be inside that number, single digit margin tied, uh, tied play it close. Yeah. I'll take Alabama plus 10, especially with Ty Ty's availability being uncertain. And Sevier Wheeler also left um, the Tennessee game late um, holding his wrist. I don't know. It, you know, I don't know that it was serious, but it was noticeable. And so, I mean, those guys, they just, they just keep getting banged up. And, and, you know, I, I think John was asked earlier this week, saw this somewhere, like maybe on his, maybe he has a radio show and people call in, or maybe it was a press conference. Clearly I have no could have idea. Been a, could, could have, could have been, could have been an IG live, who, whatever. Like, but the question was along the lines of uh, what does this team need to do, um, you know, before the NCAA tournament to be ready for that, something like that. And he said, just get healthy, you know, just get healthy. If we're healthy, we're good enough. And I think that's true, by the way. I think Kentucky healthy is good enough to win the national title. Mm-hmm. But but it's been a little while since they've been 100 percent healthy across the board. And not every little knickknack injury matters. But anything to Ty Ty Washington or Xavier Wheeler, those things matter. Agreed. Um, all right, listen. Let dial down those. I got a, I got a few notes, a few games to watch. But here it comes. Oh, the music again. Woo! It's back. <laughs> I, know, now, I, know how, I know how much everybody sounds, loves that. <laughs> if it sounds maybe a little bit loud, it's actually not loud on the podcast. So I've got well, it in the line. I think it should be good out here. Well, couple notes. God, how does this not get you just fired up for the weekend? All right, first of all, Oregon, see ya. Lost 81-57 last night to Arizona State. Swept by the Sun Devils for the first time in 11 years. Get the Ducks the hell out of here. They're not going to the tournament. Okay? They're done. Now, got to give a note here. IUPUI beat Robert Morris. First went over a D1 team this year. We love it. They were, they were literally asking for tryouts to make the roster to students on campus two weeks ago. They beat Robert Morris, Bobby Moe. That's, that's a tough situation there. But good on IUPUI. The old, trivia time. All right. You got no shot at this. Okay. Two teams without a Division One win this season. Who are they? Feels like Georgetown's got to be one of them. I know they're not, <laughs> but it feels like it. I know they're that's not, but it feels brutal, like it. That's brutally cold, my man. That's, that is cold. The answers are Lamar and Delaware State. We root oh, for no. you to get a Division One win at some point this season. Flip side, give you an easy one. Trivia time. Who's the okay. winningest team in men's college basketball right now on Friday, February 18th? Murray State. You are damn right. Murray State is 25-2, and two, the winningest team in the sport right now. I'm saying it right now. Agree with me. Racers are dancing no matter what. I'm saying it. And agree, they're dancing no matter what. They're going to get there. Well, how many games they have left in the regular season? Like, no matter what, no matter what means no matter what. Like, if Murray State is dancing, even if it uh, loses its next three games and then loses in the first round of its conference no. tournament. No, correct. No. So I want to make a the, this key distinction here. I am I'm extremely litigious when it comes to calling teams locks because the lock to me and i've said this a dozen times over the years you literally can afford to lose every single game no matter how unlikely and you're still in no matter what murray state is not a lock i'm saying what i'm saying is different i'm saying i'm predicting that murray state's just good enough they're going to get these wins they're going to get in they're get, they're making the tournament racers fans oh you don't yeah. need to worry uh, about, you don't need to worry about this situation where maybe you have a four loss team and you're not getting in i even think murray state with four losses gets in as an at large 
Yeah, Murray State's in the NCAA tournament, but not no matter what. I was listening to what you were actually saying and taking it literally. If they were to lose out, they're not in, but they're not going to lose out. They're probably going to win out. My guess is this, by the way. If they run the table and only have two losses, they'll have the same seed as they had a decade ago when they went 31-1. and one. They were a six seed then. A two-loss Murray State team, I think it gets to the sixth line. Their net has been inside the top 20 for a couple of weeks now. Good signs there. Just wanted to give them a little bit of love. I do have another trivia time. Okay. This is insane. Auburn, they're going to play this weekend. I saw this from Fox Sports. Only 13 major conference teams have more blocks this season than Walker Kessler alone. Right. Did you see this? I, I saw that Walker Kessler would rank like top 15 as a team blocks uh, on the season. I did see that. I don't know. Bailing on the trivia time. But it's uh, UConn, Arizona, St. John's, Duke, Florida, Michigan State, Marquette, Indiana, Bama, Oklahoma State, Seton Hall, West Virginia, and hello, DePaul. The only major conference teams with more blocks as a team than Walker Kessler, who has 123. That's the impact of Charlie Moore. (laughs) In fact, he probably has nothing to do with it. I can't can't disagree with you on that. Okay, let's do a quick tour around the weekend before we we, uh, pick the, uh, the final game here. Uh, one Eastern, Notre Dame at Wake, ACC bubble special. I had to talk about uh, my biggest bubble game of the weekend on CBS Sports HQ earlier this morning. This was the game to me. This is one to me where the winner is going to still be in the field for now, and the loser, I think you can make a good argument, would be out of the field, at least temporarily. I talked to Mike Ray earlier this week. Notre Dame was featured in the court report. How about this quick little, like, how many coaches would do this, Parrish? Bray told me that he trusts his team so much he doesn't want to f it up he literally just walked out of practice 45 minutes in the other day because the vibe was too good and he didn't want to mess things up how well, many how about, are, are literally saying you know what i'll see you later i'm good well we were watching a notre dame game in studio a few weeks ago and one of the commentators I, I this is another one of the things i don't remember where we heard it exactly but if i remember correctly um one of the players said that coach lets us pick who we want to guard and we were in studio with like you know some players former players and former coaches and they were like i've never heard of that before that the players get to pick who they're going to guard <laughs> but that that was the thing one of the notre dame players said that mike lets them pick who they want to guard going into it's like all right um who you got it's like hey coach i'll take number four okay cool well who you got all right go play he like really, Amazing. really trusts his team. It appears, and it seems to be working out. It does. Um, so one Eastern, two Eastern, ESPN Plus, Oklahoma, fourteen and twelve at seventeen and nine. Iowa State loser goes to the basement of the Big Twelve. Both have nine league losses, and uh, Oklahoma is wouldn't be in the field as far as I'm concerned at this point because again, loss count has to matter. Getting a win in this spot would be big. Also, two Eastern. I mentioned Auburn before they play at Florida. Tigers will look to cut, keep pace with the one line. Meanwhile, Florida would get back into the mix heavily if it can win. Gators are in a little bit of a tight spot. 2.30 Eastern on Fox, Iowa at Ohio State. Iowa's lone win. Okay, I had to crack up last night. So Chris Hassel texts me out of nowhere. He goes, well, he was texting earlier about, um, we got to talk about the net rankings are a joke. Talk about Rutgers. You got to get it. talk about it on the podcast. Hassel, we're doing it now for you, buddy. And then... Um, he goes, I'm tired of these miserable power five teams getting these spots over good mid-major teams. And he goes, Iowa doesn't have a win over a single tournament team. Like, he's clearly watching the Iowa game. I don't know what was going on. I think he had to call a game for CBS Sports Network last night. Maybe he was checking it on his phone. So then, so he does this. And you, I swear to God, my, my natural instinct to respond to this text message, I go, 
You got to put 68 teams in the field, Hassel. And you it's do. True. You got to put it. It was like, it, I wasn't doing it to be funny. I was like, oh my God, I almost just did it non-ironically. You have to put 68 teams in this field. I was, listen, I was only win over a tournament team right now is Indiana. But who do you like more in those kind of spots? Do you like Rutgers with what it has done and not been able to do? Or do you like Iowa, which doesn't have as many losses, but again, only went over a projected tournament team right now is Indiana. Like, just curious. Which Rutgers. Like? I want teams that beat people. Um, anybody can lose to good teams. And that's all. That's really all Iowa's done this season is lose to good teams. A little, a little bit like North Carolina. All North Carolina's done this season is lose to good teams and pit. Woo! Oh, I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. So, Iowa. Out of by, Iowa. The way, by, by the way, real quick, before yeah. I uh, uh, 100% assign that story to Mike Bray. I believe somebody in uh, the comments is suggesting that might be a Shaka Smart story, not a Mike Bray story about letting his players pick who they want to guard. So if it is, um, I apologize or not. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know that I heard that story and it popped into my head when you were talking about Mike Bray, but it could be a Shaka Smart story. Who can say for sure? Well, not, but also, the, like, not a lot of coaches really have that kind of uh, – Combo of confidence and also humility. Um, interesting on the list. Iowa at Ohio State. Iowa would, would do wonders for its resume if it can uh, if it can pick them off. Four Eastern game we did not pick for Final Form One. If you thought it might be in the mixer, this is not going to be that game. But Tennessee at Arkansas, really quality, high level SEC game on ESPN. That's a good Four Eastern's got a, a nice little window here. You got a sneaky bubble game. UNC at Virginia Tech. Tar Heels case is basically up in smoke if it loses this, but Virginia Tech has won six in a row. Very much up against it. I saw a little bit of blowback in the chat about Armando Baycott being on my uh, all-star team for college basketball. Dude is averaging like 18 and 12, and it's him and Alondis Williams with like Bancaro for ACC Player of the Year at this point. Statistically, he's got to be there. Going to have to show up big. Four Eastern ESPN 2. And then another great Four Eastern CUSA tilt. North Texas, UAB GP. North Texas is 19 and 4. UAB is 20 and 6 and won the first matchup. These are both top 45 Ken Palm teams. I believe this game, I think it might have been this game, was a game we picked in the final four and one the first time earlier this season. I uh, a win for North Texas would lock them up as a one seed effectively in the CUSA tournament. And I do think if they won here and they got a win against UAB to get to twenty and four, they would at least give themselves hope to build in that large case. Uh, they'd have to get a lot more wins. They probably couldn't have more than five losses total, but it could still be on the table for Grant McCaslin's mean green team. A couple more to know before we get to the final game to pick. See, six Eastern CBS Sports Network Mountain West bubble game. Utah State at Boise State. Utah State, in order to have any kind of case going forward, has got to pick off the Broncos on the road there. Boise State safely in the field at this moment. Speaking of another bubble team, 8 Eastern, ESPN, Kansas at West Virginia. Mountaineers are 14-11. and 11. They are not in the field right now. This team has been spiraling, but it can resuscitate its case if it can win. If, 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 Mount, if West Virginia doesn't win this game at home, it will need something of a minor miracle to rally and get into the dance. Agree? Yeah, they've been terrible for a long time now. That resume is problematic. Um, and the Big 12 is in this weird spot where you've got a lot of teams flirting with like double-digit seeds just on the bubble, just off the bubble. West Virginia is another one there. Last one on Saturday at CBS Sports Network, which has a bunch of great, great games. San Diego State at Fresno State. That is another Mountain West bubble tilt. San Diego State in a tricky one on the road. And then on Sunday, one Eastern CBS Michigan at Wisconsin. I will do post game on CBS Sports HQ after Wolverines at Bucky. Michigan with the road win. And now they're getting even more interesting. So if that's relevant enough of a result, we'll obviously talk about that on the Sunday podcast. Memphis at SMU, yet another bubble game. Memphis 
clearly has a strong tournament case right now. That's three Eastern on ABC. Also three Eastern FS1. Big East bubble game. Marquette at Creighton for Creighton to win at home. Keep it up. Big East is trying to get to seven bids. I think it's going to ultimately end with six. And then 530 Eastern on Sunday, Rutgers at Purdue. Purdue was losing to Rutgers before it became cool. Now everyone's doing it. This is the return game for the Scarlet Knights. 530 Eastern on FS1. Before we pick this final game, GP, Sunday podcast. Are we going before that Rutgers-Purdue game? Are we going maybe around? No way. No way. Plus, I got to fly. Plus, I got to fly Sunday afternoon. Boom. Okay, so will, be, will it be a later than normal Sunday podcast? Uh, definitely after Rutgers Purdue. Okay, we'll be there on Sunday night. Last game, game five, 10 Eastern on ESPN2, WCC bubble special, BYU at St. Mary's right there on Mickey McConnell Court. Okay. St. Mary's beat San Francisco by five on Thursday. It's safely in the field. BYU, how about this? 19-8 and eight overall. Three and three in quad one, four and four in quad two, 500 in top two quadrants, seven and one in quad four with that horrific loss to Pacific. I have BYU out of the field right now. If it gets a win here on Saturday, BYU would be in the field. This is a, in the moment here and now, you win, you're in, you lose, your. I think BYU is, it's definitely either or. This is a binary result. The line, when I last checked, is St. Mary's minus seven. Who you got? I'll take BYU plus the points. In honor of Brandon Davies. That all we got? Yeah, you asked a question and I answered. I'm, I'm fine with it. I just, <laughs> you know. Okay. BYU plus the points. I'm doing one better than you. Oh, what? BYU. Oh, no. Raider. He tried it. He tried it. He tried it. I did. Got the new haircut. Way too short on the side, by the way. That's a that's another disaster altogether. So there we go. Fade this music down. You're gonna take BYU to cover. I will go yeah. BYU straight up, and in doing so, really vault its tournament resume. In the moment, they would unquestionably be in the field if they can get that quad one win. We ready to go? Let's get the hell out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Andre White, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast, the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. I never seen one like this one, man. Are you sure about that? Yeah, never. Nothing like yeah. this. It's been two years, dead leg. Two years. I'm coming up on it right now. I know. We are. What in the world happened? What happened? Everything what? was fine. Tournament's around the corner. Everything was fine. It's coming around the corner. Everything was going pretty okay. Nobody asked for this. Nobody wanted this. Nobody. If you're not subscribed to the Island College Basketball Podcast, please go subscribe and leave a nice review. Five stars, nice comments. That's all we've ever asked from you. At Apple, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And at Apple, you can leave that nice comment. Do so. Takes a few seconds. More of us than there are of them. Don't, don't let them shame us. Don't let them shame us. We can shame them. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever forget that. We're going to put it on a t-shirt someday. We will. We will put that on a t-shirt. We are going to put that on. I promise you that's getting put on a t-shirt. As GP, as GP wraps here, just a reminder, if, if you are, 
if you want a little bit of a different thing, Saturday after the bracket reveal, it's not going to be me and GP. It's going to be Kyle Boone, David Cobb, live on YouTube Saturday. If you're not already subscribed, please be sure to do so. Smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. Man, risk a trip to the Final Four just to smash. You ain't risking nothing. You can smash, risk nothing. What? A, what? How great is that, by the way? We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then, take care. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.